Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Arike Okunpawale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, yeah. how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. Well, good evening, everyone. This is Budweiser's weekday sports beat as we broadcast live on 960 AM. WSBTradio.com, our free WSBT radio app, video feed on the Twitch app. Sports beat on the air until 6.30 tonight. We are cut short due to Notre Dame basketball. It is the debut of Micah Shrewsbury as Notre Dame basketball coach. Also the collegiate debut of Penn High School grad Marcus Burton. Tony Simeone will be on the air at 6.30 with pregame coverage from Purcell Pavilion. Game time, 7 o'clock as the Fighting Irish Take on Niagara. It is nine minutes after five o'clock on this Monday, November the 6th, 2023. Definitely not a victory Monday. As Notre Dame football suffered a frustrating, mind-numbing, disappointing 31-23 loss at the hands of Clemson down in South Carolina Saturday afternoon. I'm mystified by the whole thing. The play of this team on the road is not acceptable. The Louisville game, this game, in fact, I really could not have imagined a scenario in which there would be more frustration and disappointment from the fan base more so than what we saw in the Louisville game. But this tops it. You can tell by social media. 
You can tell by the fan base's reaction. And personally, as someone that covers the team, this is much worse than the Louisville game. Let me start by saying this. I mentioned on Friday that Clemson's defense was capable of keeping them in the game and maybe stealing it. And you know what? They played pretty well throughout this game. I think they got a lot of help from the team wearing the white uniforms. But they held up their end of the bargain. They forced turnovers. They put up seven points. And I think we all knew deep down Clemson was better than their 4-4 four and four record. Did I pick Notre Dame to win? Absolutely I did. And that is my mistake. And I take responsibility for my pick because it was not even close. Had I known the way Notre Dame was going to attack the game offensively, I would have picked Clemson. But based on, I thought the offense took steps forward against Pittsburgh. But obviously, I could not have been more wrong, and I apologize. I'm glad Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated on Saturday's game day show picked Clemson. He made us all look a whole lot better than we would have had we all picked Notre Dame to win the game. Tyler's going to join me at the bottom of the hour, and I'll let him, hey, gloat a little bit. Good for him. He picked Clemson to win the game, and he could not have been more correct. So, Tyler, nice job. So the Irish lose this game. They did not play well. They did not look like a New Year's Six Bowl team. Clemson was the better football team by far. They were the better coach team as well. Irish head coach Marcus Freeman after the game. You know, as I told the team in the locker room, that's a really good team, and, and we knew that all week. They had four losses, but as you watch the film, it's a good football team. It's a Clemson football team that, you know, the record doesn't reflect how good of a team that is. But when you play a good team like that, there's three or four plays in that game that if you turn the ball over, you, you, you muff a punt and turn the ball over to their offense, they end up creating an outcome that's an eight-point eight loss. And so that's the reality of it two good teams and there's plays in the game that we didn't we didn't you know finish the way we needed to finish those plays that result in the outcome we got to be better on third down I think on both sides of the ball first half defensively but on offense we got to be better on third down and and um, again we got to get some things fixed we've heard that before the Irish offense faced a really good defense, and Clemson's defense played extremely well, and I give them credit for the way they played the game. But this felt like a game in which Notre Dame was just trying to shorten the game. I don't think they believe Clemson could score a lot of points offensively, and without help, I'm not sure they could have. This kind of, not fully, but Kind of felt like the first game of last year against Ohio State. We'll just kind of run the ball, shorten the game, nurse the clock, let the defense win the game. That's what it felt like. I'm sure that wasn't the thinking. I don't think it was. That's what it felt like. And the Irish ran the ball extremely well in the first half. For the game, 61 plays, 329 yards, 5.4 yards per play. The Irish with only 13 first downs and could not get the job done on third down. 
the Fighting Irish 3 for 13. A day in which the running game was spectacular in the first half. It was forgotten about in the second half. The passing game, I just don't know how to describe it. The thinking, the execution, that was not anywhere close to winning football, let alone championship football, which this team wants to play. So the question wasn't asked in this fashion, but I'll tweak it to, I guess, put forth the question the way I want it to be asked. Why did the offense stink for a lot of this game outside of the great running in the first half? Yeah, they got a good defense. Um, You know, it's a top 10 defense that's extremely – talented they're getting pressure on the quarterback they're covering well they stopped the run when we were trying to commit to the run game um they made adjustments you know it's a good defense and i wish i could say it's just one or two things but on third down we weren't able to convert and i think a lot has to do with the pressure they were getting but also we weren't able to get open and and we didn't have you know we got to continue to improve on on our throws you know we got to put the ball exactly where it's supposed to be and so there's a whole bunch of people um that is included with not having success um, that we're looking for in the second half. Never hear the offensive coordinator mention. And the receivers getting open is highly debated. Hard to see on television. For those at the game like Tyler Horka, I'll ask him for you in a couple of moments what he saw from the press box. Sam had a bad day. There's no way around it. That was not the guy we were expecting to play in a big game like this. Did he have enough help around him? Absolutely not. Heck no. But here's what I can't wrap my head around. You ran the heck out of the football in the first half. You end the game 31 carries for 183 yards, 5.9 yards per carry, two touchdowns. Two things. Number one, Marcus has always talked about they want to be a running football team, and they were in the first half. They were behind going into the second half. The Watts interception setting up the estimate two-yard touchdown run all of a sudden, put the Irish right back in the ball game. A minute three into the second half, it's only 24 to 16. There is absolutely no reason to leave the run game. It's what you do best. It's what you did in the first half. You don't have to run it every time, but Audric estimate. Outside of that two-yard touchdown run, the rest of the game had two carries. Were you trailing? Yes. At the end of the game, do you have to throw? Yes. Can't abandon the run game. That's who you are. You have to be able to keep the defense off balance. Notre Dame telegraphed their second half offensively. I'm disappointed. Game was there for the taking. Despite what happened in the first half, the game was sitting there. Clemson was begging Notre Dame to take it. And they just threw it right back to Clemson. Three carries for five yards. 
my goodness, the running game, part of the reason why they had big numbers was the quarterback at times had to run for his life. Seven for 68 and a touchdown. Didn't expect that from Sam, but he made something out of nothing at times in this football game. You know, I had someone that is heavily involved in college football give me a stat over the weekend. I'll just say it's someone in the football business. Notre Dame in 12 personnel, which is one running back and two tight ends. When the tight ends line up in line, Notre Dame runs the football 93% of the time. The opposition knows that. This was a schematic failure, and it was a player execution failure. We always hear about the execution. I'll throw in the rest to help out. This just felt like a total failure despite the fact they run the heck out of the football. And as I was getting to, number one, Estimate gets it three times in the second half. Number two, when you have such a good running game going in the first half, how do you not take shots down the field? How do you not get aggressive and try to burn Clemson, who has to use extra bodies to try to slow down the running game? Let me remind you, Monday, before Notre Dame faced Clemson, Marcus Freeman was asked about taking shots down the field in the passing game. No, it's more of a, you know, meetings early in the week of a mentality, right? And, and I don't put a number count on it, um, but it's a mentality that, hey, I want to be aggressive. I want to take shots down the field. If in during the game... At some point, I say, hey, take a shot here out. I can easily get on the headset and say that. But to me, the work is put in through the game plan and through the preparation of of that mentality for taking shots is is is, is got to be really fed through our players, too, to understand that we're going to take shots no matter what the result is. We have to continue to do it. And so I think as a coordinator, when you hear that from the head coach, it gives you the freedom, okay, we're going to continuously be aggressive and aggressive, even, even if the result isn't what we want. You know, uh, you know the interception, the very first interception, it's not considered a shot, but that doesn't affect the next series. I want you to be aggressive and push the ball down the field. That was Marcus Monday before the Clemson game expressing how he wants his offense to take shots down the field no matter the result. You heard it from the head coach right there. Now, was that just... A word salad, or was that the message that Marcus delivered to his offensive coordinator, Jared Parker? Because if that is truly the message that he delivered, how did it get lost in translation? Didn't you find that pretty clear what Marcus wanted this week? And we would have to assume The head coach telling us that that message has been delivered to his offensive coordinator. If there was confusion in the message, was the message not heard? I don't know. We're not there. But it seemed pretty clear in what Marcus said Monday. He said, no matter the result, we got to take shots. And he's right. With the running game rolling in the first half, man, take shots. You've got opportunities down the field. 
a chance to loosen up the defense anymore. Get them on their heels. Drill them with the running game and then hurt them with the passing game. But according to Irish Sports Daily, who did the research, 36 dropbacks for Hartman in the game, two play-action passes. With that running game in the first half, two. I don't know. I like what Marcus said Monday, but we didn't see it on Saturday. And then come second half, they became one-dimensional on their own. It didn't help. They were deep on their own territory, it seemed like, the last 15 minutes or so of the game. But you can't abandon the run game, especially with things not clicking in the passing attack. It's hard to read the numbers. Sam, 13 of 30 for 146, no touchdowns, two interceptions, two sacks, gave up a pick six. His first five games, Sam completed 70.4% of his throws, 14 touchdowns, no interceptions, 10.7 yards per attempt. Last five games, 56.5%, four touchdowns, seven picks, and the offense looks extremely dysfunctional at this time, and it's hard to imagine that is the case. After the game on Saturday, Marcus Freeman had this to say about his quarterback. You know, I got to look. I, I got to watch film. Obviously, we can't throw a pick six, right? And, and that you can't do that, you know? And, and uh, I know he knows that. Now, he, he did some really, really good things, extending plays with his legs and running for first downs and touchdowns. But, you know, the biggest thing we can't do is, is turn the ball over. We know we have to take care of the football. And we, we, one of our things going into this game was we had to beat them in a turnover margin, and we didn't do that today. No, not the case. It, it's just hard to put into perspective how things have changed the last five games. We all knew the competition level was going to increase. But coaching, execution, everything around Sam has deteriorated. I wonder if it's affected his confidence because that did not look like the type of quarterback that we thought we had going to Clemson for this game. And let's, everybody has bad days. I mean, even the great ones have bad days. But it's just kind of unexplicable how things have fallen apart in that passing game. Does there need to be better separation from the wide receivers? Absolutely. Can the coordinators scheme wide receivers open? You can sure try. That's for sure. Sam can't make the throw on the pick six. I, I think we all agree on that one. That was not a great throw. But timing, separation, execution, everything right now is just off, and you wonder – how they get it back. I mean, at this point, they're out of the New Year's Six Bowl conversation. Of course, the playoffs were gone a month ago. You're kind of just playing for pride and winning football games and sending the seniors out with victories over Wake Forest and Stanford. Maybe you go to the Pop-Tarts Bowl or whatever bowl they're going to go to and maybe take on LSU. But 
I want the seniors to get everything out of these last few games, but I just need to see things head a little better direction right now leading into next year. Because as we all know, look at the history books, year three of a Notre Dame coach seems to tell the direction the program is going to go. And with the possibility of the defensive coordinator getting some great opportunities after this season, could Notre Dame be looking for a new defensive coordinator, a new offensive and defensive coordinator, just an offensive coordinator, or nobody? I have a hard time believing the latter is going to be the end result. But there is the possibility you're going to have to get the checkbook out in order to put yourself in a better position to succeed next year in a very important year for the head coach. How crazy is it that Audric Estime was the team's leading receiver? Four catches, 33 yards. Tyree targeted eight times, had four for 29 Jordan Faison, four targets, two for 32. Jaden Thomas is missing in action again, and they did miss Mitchell Evans. There's no doubt about that. He was such a playmaker and security blanket for Sam Hartman. The defense gave up 329 yards on well, – you know what? I think I wrote that down wrong. Let me go back to my actual stats because I think I screwed that up. I think I wrote down the Notre Dame stats again. Clemson, 285 yards on 69 plays, 4.1 yards per play. Defense did not have a great first half, but, man, they kept the team in the ballgame in the second half. They tightened up, got a lot tougher for Clemson in all aspects of the game. Second half, they gave Notre Dame a chance to win the game. I'm stunned that Phil Maffa had... 36 carries for 186, 5.2 yards per carry and two touchdowns. Didn't see that coming. Kind of felt like Klubnik was going to be hit and miss, and he was. He was just kind of a a guy out there. He was helping Clemson give the game back at times. 13 of 26 for 109 and an interception. But The running game bailed them out. Special teams blunders by Notre Dame bailed them out. The pick six bailed them out. Clemson offense wasn't great, had a nice running game, no doubt about that, but I just think they needed help and they got it from special teams, from defense, and from the team wearing the all-white uniforms. Special teams, Schrader was 3-for-3 on field goals. McPherson had 50 yards per punt, but the Tyree muffed punt, the big punt return by Clemson getting into plus territory, just not A great day for special teams. 31-23 Clemson. The Irish are 7-3 and and Clemson. How the storyline has changed down there in seven days. They're now a 5-4 football team. I want to bring Tyler Horka into the program next. The beat reporter for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. I want to ask him his perspective from the press box down in Death Valley. What did he see? From the Irish offense, were the receivers getting open? I want his perspective coming up when we return after a timeout as a promising season just seems like it is slipping away. And 
We got two games to go. We got to buy this week to recover and then get back at it. Wake Forest for the home finale a week from Saturday. We'll bring Tyler on the show next, 5.30, on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. You can listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. 25 minutes in front of 6 o'clock on this Monday. The Irish on a bye week this week. They're a 7-3 football team after losing to Clemson down in Death Valley on Saturday, 31-23. I'm Darren Pritchett, joined by Tyler Horka, co-host of Game Day Sports Beat, brought to you by Bud Light here on WSBT Radio. And, of course, his day job, he is the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. He was down there in Clemson, South Carolina, watching the game from the press box, writing about it from the press box, and he's kind enough to join us on this Monday here on WSBT Radio. What a surprise, Tyler. We get to talk about the Irish offense right off the bat. (laughs) We're not going to change the script yet until something changes. The fans are frustrated. You see it on social media. You get the questions in, hey, Horka. There is just so much frustration because – Sam Hartman was supposed to be the tonic to cure some of the woes of this fighting Irish offense. And and I'll be the first to say Sam did not play well in this game. But I think what Irish fans want to know, besides Sam not having a great day, the pick six can't happen. That was a poor throw. But did he get any help from his wide receivers? I mean, you can see the whole field. Were they getting open? How much of this was the thinking of the offensive coordinator and the game plan put in place to not challenge the Clemson secondary and just kind of run the ball all first half and then all of a sudden the second half we just flip the script and we throw it the whole game? Yeah, it was wild. And obviously that's on coaching. That's not on Sam Hartman. He did miss a couple of guys. Uh, We have a pretty good view there in the Clemson press box and I, you know, every time that there's a wide open receiver and you're watching from the press box, you can see it and you'll tap the guy next to you and say, yeah, you missed him there. Yeah. That happens in every single game. You know, that, that wasn't just this game. And there wasn't a lot of that in this game. I can maybe think of two or three instances. And yeah, maybe if you hit those two or three, it's a different ball game considering it was only a one score game. But there are other things you can do throughout the course of a one-score ball game to just have a better overall offensive operation. And the Irish didn't do that. Didn't do that. You mentioned not running the ball in the second half. I put out a tweet the very next day. Audrey Gessman carries the ball 14 times for 82 yards in the first half. He only gets three carries in the second half for five yards. Two of those were on a touchdown run after the Xavier Watts interception. So that was only one play right there. And that wasn't even a, hey, we're going to get the ball to Audrey you know, type of the sideline you're talking, we're going to go to Audric, we're going to go to Audric. No, you didn't even know you were going to have the ball because Watts picks it off and brings it down there and throw him on the field. And then you say, okay, now we're handing to Audric. There wasn't enough Audric SMA. Sam Hartman didn't make enough throws. But, man, this, this, this is a coaching issue. This is a wide receiver issue to me. Those are probably the number one and number two things. I remember on our Hey Horka show, I did a little pie chart, you know, what's wrong with the <laughs> Notre Dame offense. 
And I think it was the same thing then. It was, it was personnel and scheme and slash coaching that were the two biggest pieces of the pie to me. Look, this, this Jared Parker conversation has continued on for way too long for it not to be an actual thing. I mean, it is a thing. He's under scrutiny, and rightfully so, because maybe they had an opportunity and multiple opportunities to win that game, but I don't think the scheme and the direction that the offense went, that's coaching, I don't think it was up to snuff. They ran the ball so well in the first half, Tyler. It seems inexplicable for Notre Dame not to take advantage of that by going to something that Marcus Freeman stressed to us last Monday, the play-action pass, taking the shots down the field. Marcus told us last Monday, even if they don't hit, we have to take shots. So I'm confused. Was the message not delivered to the offensive coordinator? Did the offensive coordinator ignore it? Did something change in the Clemson defense that caused them to not take shots. It just seems really strange. When you're running the ball, Tyler, that well in the first half, not to take shots just seems like missed opportunities. Yeah, I had a Clemson beat writer early the next morning when I was – we were actually still at our hotel in Greenville, South Carolina. And uh, thank God for thanks, um, daylight saving time, daylight savings, mm. because – I was up early enough to get some work done before we had to head back here. And the Clemson beat writer was as well. He texted me. He said, how many times did Notre Dame go to play action? And I hadn't even looked at the pro football focus numbers yet at that time. And I said, I can guarantee you I can count on one hand. And that's kind of been the case with Notre Dame all season long. Turns out the information comes out from PFF that it was only two times, two times throughout the entirety of a ball game. I mean, there's drives if you watch really good offenses, in college football and even the NFL. I mean, we were watching, um, again, before we left for, for South Bend yesterday, uh, Miami Dolphins versus the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Chiefs, you'll see play action, but for those two teams, three or four times on, on one drive, it's almost every play offensively, and obviously there's such thing as too much of it, but more, the more of it, the merrier. Usually, I mean, all or if you want to go all or nothing, you definitely go all play action is – not nothing. And, and Notre Dame's basically doing nothing right now, which is unacceptable. There were more play-action plays in the one quarter that Steve Angeli played against Pitt in a 50-point ball game than Notre Dame put out there all game against Clemson. And like you said there, this is after Audrick Estime ripped off two 20-plus yard runs on the very first drive of the game. And Notre Dame settled for a field goal on that drive, I believe. But that just sets you up for later. Like, you take those three points and you say, hey, we did enough things here that we can hit them with six and seven. You know, we're going to get touchdowns because of what we did on that first drive. It, it seems like the Notre Dame offense and the coaching staff is a little lost and not aggressive enough to say, hey, let's take what we did here and make them pay there. It's not happening for Notre Dame, and I think that's why this offense is so frustrating to watch. It's just they're not, they're not building upon – the things they actually do well. I mean, there are things that they're doing well. They're not building upon that and, and kind of completing the circle. It's an incomplete circle with this offense, and it seems like they're never going to draw it all the way around to, to bring those two points to an end. Blue and Gold Illustrated, Tyler Horkin, my guest on WSBT Radio. I seem like I have one of these cringe moments every week in the postgame press conference, but when Coach Freeman mentioned that 
you know, you get a little spooked when there's a pick six, so they had to go back to running the football. Tyler, you've got a 24-year-old quarterback. I don't think spooks yeah. should be in the conversation, right? No. It's, I think we were all sitting there thinking the same thing that you were when, when you first saw it on Twitter or read about it or oh. maybe saw a video, whatever it was. We were all thinking the same thing as you. Mm. Just your best guess. Or let me ask you this question in this fashion. Do you expect any changes within who does what on the coaching staff during the bye? Or do you think it'll be status quo? Uh, I think it's a little too late. Probably not too late based on what we've seen, actually. But based on what we know about Marcus Freeman in his second year and kind of sticking by his guys and sticking by his, his own guns, really. You know, I don't know if he's matured enough as a head coach to the point where he's comfortable making a decision like that so late in the game. And I don't know what he would do if, if, if this offense is, or this, this question is obviously geared toward the offense. Sure. Um, would Gino Gadoli be a better player than Jared Parker? I'm not sure. Joe Rudolph has offensive coordinator experience. But look, neither of those guys went into this year or even as soon as, as recent as two weeks ago were thinking, yeah, I'm going to have to call plays for the University of Notre Dame. That's not what they were thinking. So this is all – it feels like it's happening rapidly – but, I mean, it is over the course of a month now, a month and a half, that this offense has not been playing well. I just I just see them trying to win these two games with the way they've been doing things. And then uh, that first week of – or, you know, those last few days of November, that first week of December, that's when the sweeping changes come. Because we've gotten to a point, Darren, where there are going to be sweeping changes. Jared Parker may call the offense for the next two games, but – Let's face it, man, that, that might be the final two games that he calls the offense at the University of Notre Dame. That's just the way this thing has gone. You know, again, Sam did not play his best, but I think he's partially being ruined right now by plans, execution around him on offense. I, I just feel like this might be a young man who might have lost a little confidence at this point particular moment and I give him so much credit for he wanted to take the blame for that loss and and I really appreciate that but Sam there's so much going on right now the quarterback can't do everything himself so let me just go with this and this is highly debated amongst the fan base and the media what do you do the last two games is Sam Hartman still your starting quarterback for the next two games is there any value and putting out a couple of your younger guys, not in garbage time, but in high-leverage situations to help the coaching staff understand more what they have? Well, you let him play against Wake Forest because, look, he's probably – he's definitely still the best quarterback on this team. There is absolutely 100% something to finding out what you have in Steve Angeli and Kenny Minchie. But Sam Hartman has been the story for better or worse for this football team since January. This season has been a roller coaster. He's had great moments. He's had not so great moments. He deserves to start against the team that he spent five years with, not just because he's the best quarterback on this roster right now, but also because that's a moment for him. And, and I think Notre Dame owes it to him. He, he kind of owes it to 
Wake Forest in a way to, to play in that game. It'd be upsetting if he didn't play in that game. But if there was, I, I'm not saying, you, you've seen it some other times where storyline, I mean, we've seen it with, <laughs> with Phil Dracovic a few times. Storyline sets up so perfectly for quarterback to play against old team. For whatever reason, it doesn't happen. I would not be shocked if that was the case. But if I was making these calls, he starts that game. Honestly, he probably starts at Stanford to just try to get that ninth win and keep 10 wins within play once you get to a bowl game and win that one. I mean, 10 wins are still within play. We talked about 10 and 2, 10 and 2, 10 and 2. Now it's 9 and 3, 9 and 3, 9 and 3. Give yourself a chance to win 10 games with that bowl game. Brian Kelly during that five year streak of 10 plus wins. I'm pretty sure there was at least one, maybe two years where Notre Dame was a nine and three football team and they got that 10th win in a bowl game. So that still matters. People look back yeah. on it and all those teams 10, they won't exactly remember how it came to be. This one is going to be a little more disappointing than some others considering the comp, the context, but in five years, if Notre Dame gets to 10 and three, everyone's going to look back and say that was a 10 win football team. But Here's the last thing I'll say on this on this conversation. I think that Steve Angeli should start the bowl game no matter what. You, you, you ride Hartman these last two games, especially against Wake Forest, for all the reasons I just said. But then once you get to a somewhat meaningless game in December, because it won't be New Year's Six, and it might be Pop-Tarts or, it's not Jesus, <laughs> or whatever the sponsor is, a lot of people are going to be like, yeah. Let Steve Angeli start this ball game, see what you have in him, because it's going to be a decent opponent. I mean, it might be LSU. LSU just played a good ball game into the fourth quarter against Alabama. LSU's got some really good wins in the last couple of seasons. LSU has Brian Kelly. I kind of want to find out what Steve Angeli has against an opponent like that, or um, I'm not sure who the other teams that are, are being projected for Notre Dame to play against, but I want Sam Hartman to start these last two games and see what Steve Angeli has in that bowl game. All right, Tyler, I've got a defensive-type question, but I'm going to start with an offensive commentary, and you'll see it will work its way into defense. But you could argue this year, two of the more crucial time periods of this season on offense, Audric Estime either was not on the field or not used. And I'm referencing trying to run out the clock against Ohio State. He ran one time, picked up a first down, got yanked, and was not back on the field. And then the Clemson game, when this offense needed help running the football, he was not given the opportunity to do so in the second half. Three carries, five yards. So this is the number two running back in the NFL draft, according to Mel Kuyper Jr. Pretty good player. And to have one of your best players be inactive in those two moments just doesn't seem to make sense. Which leads to this. And you tweeted this out, and I'm so glad you did, Tyler, during the game. Because watching on TV, I just get so focused on the ball, I did not notice this. But Notre Dame sat their starting corners. And I believe it was for an entire series, and Clemson mm -hmm. scored a touchdown. Now, in the National Football League, I'm a Bronco fan. If Denver takes out Patrick Sertan for three plays, I'm screaming. Because why would you ever take him off the field? So, Please help us understand what they might be thinking in taking two of their best players at the same time off the field for a complete series, even though they're very confident in the backups. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I wish I had a really good answer for you. And I'd have to go back. I usually rewatch the game either late Monday night, so tonight, okay. or um, 
or Tuesday mornings, kind of like, I mean, I'm, a lot of times I'm traveling on Sundays or I just like to give myself some time to breathe on Sundays. But um, here's what I want to look at, because it did happen. Everything that you said, you said was correct and everything I tweeted was correct from Hart Benjamin Morrison, not on the field for a series in which Cade Klubnik, who only threw 109 yards all day, struggled to complete 50% of his passes on that drive against reserve Notre Dame corners. He was 6 of 6 for 59 yards and a touchdown pass. That does not happen if Cam Hart and Benjamin Morris are on the field. Like I just said, he struggled to get to 109 yards. He had 59 of those against guys that weren't named Hart or Morrison. Now, what I need to go back and watch was, because this would be really good coaching on Clemson's part. So, did Clemson realize that and not sub and, and go a little quicker and just kind of dink and dunk their way down the field, which is what they did, knowing that they could do that without Morrison and Hart on the field? That would be an example of in-game coaching that I don't think Notre Dame is really capable of with this current staff. I mean, obviously, talking about a staff that had 10 guys on the field in the most critical plays, of the year, I think Clemson might have realized that and said, hey, we can hit these guys now. Because that was not their game plan. Still, Mafa ran 36 times, Dan. Yeah. But on this particular drive, Clemson passed the ball six times, ran it twice, and was able to throw for 59 yards all the way down the field. Because I think they knew the personnel that they were up against. And, and look, the last thing I'll say on this is, if they did swap, if Clemson did swap personnel a couple times and give Notre Dame that opportunity to switch its personnel, and they had already been hit a couple times with those passing plays, and they got down there on the negative side of the field, and, and they had an opportunity to put Hart and Morrison back out there, and they didn't, that's not practice. I mean, you're, you're trying to save a touchdown. You're trying to keep a touchdown off the board. If they had chances to sub, which I'll go back and I'll tweet it out, and, and if they didn't sub, it'll probably go crazy on Twitter. Man, that, that is a turning point in the game. That, that made it a 17-6 to six ball game. The pick six happens after that. All of a sudden, it's an 18-point ball game. You're trying to keep touchdowns off the board, and right there, your two starting corners aren't out there. That, that's mm. not keeping touchdowns mm. off the board. Handing out participation ribbons, it sounds like. All right, mm-hmm. Tyler, what is happening at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com? Yeah, if you go there right now, you'll see a whole lot of women's basketball content. But brace yourselves because it wasn't a pretty game Oof. for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish in Paris, France against South Carolina. South Carolina, look, I was wondering, I was waiting to see if they would rebuild or reload. It was the latter. That team looks great. So I don't think Notre Dame's a bad team. But if you read about it there, if you're not going to read about a lot of good things that happened for the Fighting Irish. Uh, but the men's team starts tonight, and that's a new era. So my colleague Jack Stoffel will have that covered. We got a lot of recruiting content during the bye weekend, and we'll have a lot of Notre Dame football content. Even though they're not playing a football game this week, we are going to be working through it and getting a lot of stuff up there. Because so sometimes after losses like Saturday, Darren, it's the time when Notre Dame fans and, and fans of any team that suffers a loss like that, yep. they'll go to the message boards, they'll go to the websites and say, what the heck happened? What can I read? I want to know more. Notre Dame fans, if that's you right now, go to blueandgold.com because we are the place to be. We'll have all sorts of that kind of stuff all week. Tyler, thanks for doing this. Greatly appreciate your perspective, and enjoy a nice bye week. All right. Thanks, Dan. You too. That's Tyler Horka. Check him out. Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, 554 at WSBT. 558 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Darren Pritchett with you. Running a little short on time for this particular segment. 
But we have our Twitter question of the day from Friday. What is the correct parlay for Notre Dame Clemson? The correct answer was Clemson plus three and over 45 points. That came in last in our voting at 4%. 15% said Clemson plus three and under 45. 23% went with Notre Dame minus three over 45. And 58% went with Notre Dame minus three and under 45. And of course, both of those choices were incorrect. Today's question, which you can find on Twitter X at my account at 960 Sportsbeat. What was the biggest reason why the Irish struggle in their loss to Clemson? Your three choices, offensive play calling slash strategy, passing game execution, off day by the defense. We'll tally the votes and bring you the results on tomorrow's program. 559 at WSBT. Welcome to the second hour of Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Darren Pritchett back with you. Hey, don't forget, coming up at the bottom of the hour, pregame coverage begins on the season opener for the Notre Dame basketball team and the debut of Micah Shrewsbury as Notre Dame head coach, also the collegiate debut of Penn High School's Marcus Burton. It'll be Notre Dame taking on Niagara. Pre-game at 6.30. The game gets underway at 7 o'clock right here on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. The Irish women's basketball team got clobbered over in Paris by South Carolina. 100-71. to The worst defeat in the young coaching career of Fighting Irish head coach Neil Ivey. So a rough, rough trip to France for the Fighting Irish. Let's get back to our main event today, and that is Notre Dame football and what in the world happened on Saturday as Clemson defeated Notre Dame 31-23. to Every Monday at this time, I like to go back and review how I thought the game was going to play out in our segment that always takes place on Friday. Well, I did lay it out that Clemson's defense – gave them a chance to keep them in the game and ultimately snatch the victory. Now, I picked Notre Dame to win the game, but there was always that possibility the Clemson defense could be a difference maker in the game. You looked at their numbers pre-Notre Dame, tied for 36th in the country in scoring defense, giving up 21 points per game. Total yardage, fantastic. Number six in the country, Clemson was giving up 266 yards per game. Now, Notre Dame went over that number in this contest as they ended up with 329 yards. But as we look at the game, we wondered how well Notre Dame could run the football against Clemson. They were 15th nationally, giving up just 3.1 yards per carry and 99 yards per game. After what we witnessed against Pittsburgh, I had an expectation that Notre Dame would be able to run the football against Clemson because you look at Pittsburgh with the way they play defense, they try to take away run games, and their game plan was kind of like the other more recent Notre Dame opponents, what they were doing to the Irish. And Pittsburgh, that's their base defense, but Notre Dame ran right through them, led by Audric Estime's 114 yards on 19 carries and three touchdowns. So, my prediction on Friday's show that Notre Dame would carry the ball 36 times for 145 yards. Actually, about 31 carries 
for 183, 5.9 yards per carry, two touchdowns. No surprise, Audric Estime led the way 17 for 87. I actually had him 20 for 128 and two scores, so he was under my projection. But a big reason why Notre Dame ran the ball well was also quarterback Sam Hartman running for his life, seven carries for 68 yards and a touchdown, had a long run of 38 yards in the ballgame. We have not seen Sam run like that very often, had that great run on fourth down against Duke, but that was a pretty good performance by Sam making something out of some nothing moments in the ballgame. So you think about Notre Dame running the ball so well in the first half. In the second half, by the way, Audrick Estime got three carries for five yards. One of the carries was the first play of the third quarter after the Watts interception. Estime had a two-yard touchdown run. After that, two carries for three yards. So definitely Jared Parker abandoned the run, went with the pass, which definitely was not the strength of the Notre Dame football team in this contest. It is really hard to imagine that a football team can average six yards per carry, run it for 183 yards, and yet they could not take advantage of the defense who was trying to shut down the run game at that point with some deep passes, play action passes. But in order to hit on play action passes, you have to call play action passes. Irish Sports Daily had the stat, only two pass attempts out of the 36 dropbacks by Hartman did the Fighting Irish have a play action pass call. So you're running the heck out of the football. And what's a great way to burn the defense? Throwing it over their heads. What did Marcus Freeman say one week ago today before the Clemson game? We have to take shots. Well, either that was just a message to make Irish fans' ears hear some beautiful things, or he wanted Jared Parker to do that, and for whatever reason, it did not happen. There were times in this game it felt like, was this the Ohio State game plan from the first game of last year when Notre Dame just ran the ball, didn't want to throw it, just playing keep away, trying to keep the score down? I mean, Clemson's offense is not capable of scoring 30 points all by themselves. They had a pick six in this game. Special teams blunders by Notre Dame gave Clemson the football in plus territory a couple of times. This wasn't a team that was going to put up 30, so was this a keep-away game? Will Marcus Freeman call it a Clemson game plan? But they didn't take shots, and... It's really hard to understand why that doesn't happen, in particular when your head coach talked about taking shots the Monday before the game took place on Saturday. It's hard to explain. It really is hard to explain. Hartman coming off a solid game against Pittsburgh, 18 for 25 for 288, going up against a Clemson pass efficiency defense that was number 12 in the country, eight touchdowns allowed with six interceptions. But in this game, 
so many things worked against Sam Hartman in this Irish passing attack. Sam did not have his best day. That cannot be left out of the conversation. But as I have said the last couple of weeks, he needs help. He needs help from his offensive coordinator. He needs help from his wide receiving core. Separation is an issue. There are schematics to get people open. That's where you rely on your offensive coordinator to help this football team. And we just didn't see that on Saturday. Did Sam make bad throws in this game? The pick six, hey, that was just a throw you can't make. He did, paid the price. Clemson got a pick six and built a nice double-digit lead at the end of the second quarter. But the wide receiving core is going to have to be reevaluated. I believe that there's a couple of players that, as they continue to grow, can be really good players for this football team. Obviously, Jaden Thomas is more injured than they're letting on because we don't see him. You know, I really think Great House and Flores are developing players, only freshmen. I think there is a ceiling for those guys to grow and be an important part of this offense. But they really need that game changer. I'm not going to put the pressure on the shoulders of a true freshman next year in Cam Williams, but he has the makings of that type of guy eventually in his Notre Dame career. Did they miss Mitchell Evans at tight end? You better believe it. There's no doubt. Tight end position, nothing like it's been the last few years. With Evans out, Holden Stays had four targets, one catch, seven yards. Eli Raritan's not a factor in the passing game. So this team's in a really tough spot. I had Hartman 16 of 27 for 236 in this game. He finished 13 of 30 for 146 and a couple of interceptions. You think about it, the leading pass catcher in the game was a running back. Audric Estime was targeted five times, four catches for 33 yards. Clemson had a good pass rush. Notre Dame banged up at the center position. Offensive line overall did not play up to expectation. And when receivers aren't getting open, what is Sam supposed to do? As we found out, he can run out of trouble those seven carries for 68 yards. This is extremely disappointing. This offensive performance was very difficult to watch. Defensively, it was an off day for the Irish defense. I have a high expectation for them, and they had a day that was not a normal day for them. But can we also agree, in the second half, when this thing could have gotten away from the Irish, the defense kept them in it. The Xavier Watts interception, setting up the offense on the two-yard line, and boy, did they need that help. Estime scores, you're right back in the ballgame. Clemson. Tried to give the game back several times late in the ball game. Notre Dame couldn't take it, but, yeah, it was not the best first half for the Irish defense. But I'm not going to be mad at them. They are the major reason why this football team has seven wins. They have kept this team afloat as the offense tries to figure it out. And in the second half, the defense 
answered the call. Klubnik, 13 of 26 for 109, nothing special. The shocker was this. The rushing attack of Clemson just ran over Notre Dame, did not see 43 carries for 176 and two touchdowns, led by the backup running back, Phil Maffa, with Will Shipley out with an injury, Maffa had a career day. He set the Clemson, or I should say he tied the Clemson record, 36 carries, and he picks up 186 yards and two touchdowns. Boy, I did not see that coming at all. Well, the Irish have to regroup, get back at it, and see if they can finish this season strong but there just feels like there's a lot of unanswered questions heading into the offseason maybe this coaching staff can find some answers along the way because as we all know around these parts no matter what the expectations will be extremely high when we start talking about 2024. Show me the money. <laughs> we go with Sizzler. We go with Sizzler. Well, on Friday's program, the old 10-pack of football picks. Last Friday was a disaster going 2-8. and eight. But a good bounce back as I went 6-2-2 two and two with my picks last Friday. Let's go through the picks. The two I missed were, of course, the Notre Dame game. Nice going, Darren. Took Notre Dame minus three against Clemson. Irish lost by eight. I took Notre Dame-Clemson under 44.5 points. 54 was scored. But all good news the rest of the way. I had Irish running back Audric Estime on DraftKings Sportsbook. Over 79 and a half rushing yards at minus 115. Went over that number in the first half. Finished with 87. We'll take the victory. Other college football picks. I had Texas A&M plus three at Ole Miss at minus 108. I have no sound effect for this because it was a push. A&M thought they were going to win outright in the second half, but Ole Miss ended up winning by three, so we had a push. The next college pick from Friday, I took the Washington Huskies laying three at the Coliseum against USC. As expected, a wild game. Huskies won 52-42. We'll take the victory. I went with Alabama, roll damn tight in Tuscaloosa over Brian Kelly and LSU. Alabama laying three at minus 118. Bama closed strong and beat the Tigers 42 to 28. So three, two, and one with my college picks. I had four NFL picks on Friday's program. We started with a game in Frankfurt, Germany. I went with the Chiefs laying two against the Dolphins at minus 110. Got a little nerve-wracking at the end. It was 21-0 Chiefs at halftime. Chiefs won 21-14, a seven-point victory. I also took the Raiders, minus one and a half against the New York football Giants at minus 110. Ended up being an easy win as the Silver and Black beat the G-Men 30-6. Sunday Night Football on WSBT Radio. I took the home team, the Bengals, laying two against Buffalo at minus 110. Another victory as the Bengals won by six 
24-18. to And my final NFL pick was a push. This score held. I thought in the fourth quarter it was going to be over, but no one scored late in the fourth quarter. Bears-Saints, I went under 41 points. The game ended up 41 points. So 6-2-2 two and two was the record, and we had a 14-6-2 week. But so far in the month of November, things are going really, really good. 13-3-2. and two. Okay, let's make some picks really quick for tonight. Oh, boy. Primetime unders are the thing, but I'm going to go against the grain. Jets, Chargers over 41 at minus 110. I've got college basketball, Notre Dame laying 10 against Niagara. I'm just going with the Irish. I don't have really a feel for this one. Notre Dame, Niagara over 126 total points. And I'm going to go with Purdue against Samford. Boilermakers laying 19 and a half. Budweiser's weekday sports beat brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. By Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. South Bend Orthopedics, trusted in the community for 75 years. By Bethel University. Adult and graduate studies, visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. Also by the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Well, that's going to do it for Budweiser's weekday sports beat tonight. We're done a little early because... Micah Shrewsbury is about to make his regular season debut as Notre Dame basketball coach. Also the collegiate regular season debut of Penn High School's Marcus Burton, who had 18 points in their exhibition game on November the 1st. It is Notre Dame versus Niagara, the season opener for Notre Dame. Tony Simeone is courtside. He'll have pregame coverage starting in about seven minutes, and then we will have game action coming up at 7 o'clock here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. So whether you're ready or not, college basketball opening night is tonight. And away we go. Notre Dame hockey, a pair of ties at nationally ranked Penn State over the weekend in State College, Pennsylvania, 3-3 and 2-2. The Irish back home to take on Ohio State Friday at 7.30, Saturday at 6 o'clock, hear both games on Quality Rock 94.3 FM. The Young Irish played well. Good, solid performances. Up 2-0 in the third yesterday. You want to close that out. Couldn't get it done. But they come home from Hockey Valley with three points. Okay, that'll do it for Budweiser's weekday sports beat for tonight. I'm back tomorrow at 5 o'clock. Two hours of sports beat. Right now, though, Fighting Irish Basketball is next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey, everyone. Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass, Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouthwatering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass, Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.